Join me, if you would, this morning in the book of Hebrews. I'm going to a very familiar passage. This is a passage that, well, I'm entitling it, Looking Forward. There is great value in the past. We can learn from the past, from our mistakes and from our victories. We can learn of God's faithfulness in so many ways in our lives and in the lives of others. We can learn from history. It's one of the reasons why we have the Old Testament. It's one of the reasons why we have the book of Numbers. The opportunity to learn from God's faithfulness. But today is a day in which We say farewell, but yet the excitement and anticipation of what is ahead. Because we're excited about what God has for you moving forward. Yes, learn from the past, but do not live in the past. Today in the message, looking forward. And it's interesting of where we find this passage today. Because in chapter 11, you have the hall of faith. God goes through and he lists 16 individuals that we have learned of their faith. Of how God worked in dynamic ways. And one of the things you'll learn very quickly as you walk your way through that list is that these are not perfect people. They are not perfect people. They are people of faith. Just like you, just like me. And I love how God will share with us not only a a historical narrative, but he will also share with us what he expects, and then he also shares with us the how-to. This familiar passage here in the verses 1 and 2 of Hebrews chapter 12 is a how-to. And he begins here, and I've just got two points this morning, so you may probably anticipate getting out of here early because I don't have three points. But if you believe that, I have a bridge to sell you. But first of all, in verse number one, we find here, and you probably already figured this out, two verses, two points. Verse number one, or yes, verse number one, those examples before us. The examples before us. Now I found it interesting that, at least in my life and in my experience, have you ever been walking across a sidewalk or a driveway or maybe just your own living room and you stumble? Now, it could be a crack in the concrete or it may just be my own clumsy feet. But what's the first thing we do, especially if we're out in public? Well, I, I look around to see who saw. How many are laughing that I have just stumbled? Or if I, if it was bad enough that I fell down onto my hands and knees? Who saw? The beauty of what we're looking at here is... Who saw? 
of the 16 individuals that we have before us. We're introduced to here in verse number 12, excuse me, verse number 1 of chapter 12. He says, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with patience or endurance the race that is set before us. I love those first couple of words where he says, there says, therefore we also. Now I've got both verses highlighted in my Bible, but the word also is one that I like to camp on for just a second. Because what he is doing here, what the writer is doing here, is including in the list of that hall of faith, his readers. Believers in Jesus Christ. And the reality is, even though our names are not listed here in chapter 11, we are a part of that hall of faith. As we look at the past, as you look at your past, you can recall individuals, people, faces, names of individuals who were people of faith who had an impact on your life. Maybe it's the one who led you to Christ. Maybe it's one of those Sunday school teachers that that really had an impact upon your life and, and created that excitement in you or a passion for the Word of God. Maybe it was a pastor. Maybe it was just one of the men or women that sits in the pew. Or perhaps it was someone that you observed going through some deep water in their lives. We also are included in this group. We are a people of faith. Therefore, we also are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Their experiences, if you go back to chapter 11, you look at verse number 39, it says, And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. What the writer wants us to understand is these individuals that he just talked about are people who were looking forward to the coming Redeemer. This was a promise that was yet to come. And as the writer writes, he is talking about something that is already in the past. Jesus has come. He has lived. He has ministered. He was crucified. He was buried. And he rose again the third day. Praise God. That's a part of history for these readers. Recent history. They understand that. They are recognizing that. They are acknowledging acknowledging that. And one of the things that that I need to camp on here and, and understand in my own heart and in my own life is to remember the day that I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Each of us here who are part of the family of God, we have a testimony, just as these 16 do. We have a testimony of faith. And as I reflect back upon my own testimony, I I often find myself renewed in the faith because I remember what I was. And I remember and I know what I became at that moment in time. And that, my friend, that lights wet wood. It sets us on fire. And one of the things that I hope you will... Draw from this message and take with you this morning is the fact that each of us, A, have a testimony to share, and B, we have a passion about what God has done and is doing in our lives. If we don't have that passion, hopefully we have some lighter fluid for you today. So hang on to your pew. 
Hang on to what it is that, that you find security in because I think God's got something for us. So let's take a look. As we consider the examples that are before us and what the writer has to share with us, he shares with us this in verse number one. He says, first of all, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. The first thing that we notice here are the hindrances, and specifically our hindrances, my hindrances to the spiritual life or the spiritual walk. These are things that are part of everyday life, a part of your life, a part of my life, the things that can cause us to hinder the progress that God desires for us to make. Let us lay aside every weight. Hmm. I remember years ago when we were training, uh, I used to run cross-country in the fall to prepare for track in the spring. And uh, one of the things that the coach did for us, Coach Valentine, remember him like yesterday, hated his guts but loved him too. You know how coaches are. He would take us to the Sleeping Bear Dunes. And that's where we would train. Running in the sand. Oh my. Now you understand why we hated his guts. But there was one more thing that he did. We put on these weights around our ankles. You, you're familiar with ankle weights? I think they were two-pounders. You would strap them around your ankle. And back in those days, we didn't have Velcro. We had those, those buckles. And we would strap those around our ankles. You had to wear, I don't know if it was cool. In fact, I'm not even sure we had ankle socks back then. We'd have those socks that would come up to your knees. You had to because those weights would chafe. And he would make us run in the sand. And that was so annoying and so frustrating. And, and, and I can remember it was like it was yesterday. And we sweat. And we labored. And, and it was just incredible. And what, what the writer here is talking about is the fact that, that, that the weight that, that we carry with us. What kind of weight? Well, it's sin. Guilt. Shame. It's like wearing those weights and running in the sand. And I remember, after we had been doing this for a week, there came that day. Well, maybe it wasn't quite a week. It was like five days. There came that day, the last day. Coach would tell us, leave the weights. And we would go out and we would run down the road instead of in the sand. The difference was absolutely incredible. We were running like angels. It was as though we were floating down the road. And that's the picture here of what the writer wants us to understand when he says here, let us lay aside the weights. Let us lay aside the things that are going to encumber us or be an impediment to the progress or to the, to the walk, the Christian walk that God desires for us. But yet, why is it that we at times put those weights back on? We, 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 we get involved in sin and that weight begins to add up. We, we become a people that are encumbered by guilt and by shame. And, and yes, it hinders the walk. I don't know about you, but my Bible says that I'm involved in a walk. I'm involved in a race, Paul tells the Corinthians. I run for the prize. 
And he reminds us there not to be disqualified in the process. So the writer wants us to understand, here we are, the hall of faith, here are these witnesses. Now, you understand something, and I'm sure this is a question that's run through your mind as well as many people's minds. Does that mean that these people are up in glory today and they're watching us? They're looking down upon us? I don't think so. I don't believe that the, that the, the inhabitants of heaven today are observing us walking and living our lives today. They've got many other things to do, among which worship Christ. But at the very least, they have the testimony of those who have just passed away that knew us. They do have that. So let us understand The writer wants us to understand. God wants us to understand. Let us lay aside that weight. How do we lay aside that weight? Faith in Christ. Trusting in Christ. Confession. God tells us to confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So let's lay aside the weight. Let's lay aside the weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. The second part is that that ensnarement, that entrapment. And the picture here is, is one of a... I don't know if, you, if you've ever trapped before or you've ever seen some of these shows where there are trappers out there. There are different kinds of traps, but essentially what they do is they ensnare its, its target. And if you've ever watched one of these things, a live trap or a live snare especially... And the hunter comes along. Here's the, the prey who is caught in the snare, and they're still trying to get away. Sometimes we are like that. I, I, I can visualize in my mind people who have been ensnared by sin. And they've got that rope or that string around their ankle, and they're trying to get away. And are so frustrated and terrified. Sin is one of those things you just don't want to mess around with, folks. Don't mess with it. In fact, I've oftentimes referred to it or illustrated it like the old, the old flypaper. You know what flypaper is? You know what flypaper is? How many know what flypaper is? Praise the Lord. I did that one time with a congregation. Nobody knew what I was talking about. <laughs> One dear lady, it was an older lady, she brought me that next week. She brought me one of those little cylinders of flypaper. I've still got it. It's in my desk drawer at home. You just get a hold of this thing. You hold it in one hand. You grab a hold of the thing on the other end. You pull it out. It comes unfurled below. And then you hang it. In in our case, we hung it in the milk house or in the barn, wherever it happened we need it. And here's the picture. It's kind of like us. We're the flies. And we're buzzing around there, and we're seeing this flypaper. And here's how it goes, at least in my envisioning, in my imagination. I'm flying around this this flypaper, and I'm seeing all my friends who have landed, and they look like they're having so much fun. I mean, look at them. They're dancing down there. So I'm flying around, I'm getting closer and closer, and I'm buzzing in there, and I'm taking a peek, and and I can hear their, their, their cries of joy. And I buzz in there and I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is, this is the place. And I fly in close and I come in, I set up for my landing, flaps are down, throttle back, nose up, and I come in and I sit down onto that landing strip. You know, what started as a smooth landing turns into an abrupt stop. 
That's what sticky paper does. That's what sin does. It doesn't look bad. It, it looks like everybody's having fun. And, and all of a sudden, we find ourselves ensnared. And then we wonder, how did I get here? Don't mess with it. Don't mess with it. Don't even get close to it. Leave it alone. Hold it at arm's length. Ten-foot poles even better. Keep it out there. We're encompassed by this great cloud of witnesses. We've got all these examples before us, whether we're talking about Old Testament, New Testament, or we're talking about those who have been a part of our lives. Let us lay aside every weight and every sin that's so easily, and that's the critical thing here, it is so easy to fall into these things that so easily ensnares or entraps us. We need to do all we can to avoid it. It is a choice. It is a choice. That's why he says, lay aside. We have a choice to make. And here's the thing. When these things come, when these things entice, when the temptations come, what should we do? Run. Run. In fact, my understanding is the only time God tells us to run is when we are running away from sin. Get away. But I also need to recognize that I'm involved in a race. I need to get involved in the race. Too many people, too many Christian people are sitting on the couch or they're sitting on the fence and they're watching everybody else, but they really don't want to get involved. They really don't want to get involved in service. They really don't want to get involved in Sunday school. They really don't want to get involved in, in spectacular or whatever it happens to be. We need to be a people who recognize that, that I am in the game. I don't want to sit on the bench. I want to be in the game. Now, I've had that attitude since way back. And, and the Marine Corps, it just reinforced that. The idea is, I want to be involved. I, I need to be there. I need to be the tip of the spear kind of a thing. Get involved. Ministry is so much fun. It is. It's challenging. I mean, ministry is with people, isn't it? Look around you. These are the ones we minister to, as well as the ones in our community. Let's get involved. It is a lot of fun. It's a, it's a great challenge. It's a great opportunity. And God enables us to accomplish that task. So here is just the beginning of what it is the writer wants us to understand here. Therefore, we also, since we are compassed about... Huh, Here's a case in point of where I've memorized the King James, and I've got a new King James right in front of me. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance. Running with endurance. I think the, uh, the King James uses the word patience. Endurance is a better translation of that word. The idea is that we're hanging in there. We are hanging in there. And the idea is that we're going to finish this race. And we are. Because I understand, and, and the scriptures make it quite clear to me, that I have been bought with a price. I belong to Jesus Christ. First uh, Corinthians chapter 6 and chapter 7 tell me I've been bought with a price. What's that price? The blood of Christ. I belong to him. I am a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Paul tells the Philippian believers, my citizenship is in heaven. And because of all of that, 
I'm going to finish the race. In fact, it's already a foregone conclusion. I am going to finish the race. Even if I drop dead today, I'm going to glory. Praise the, praise the Lord. Amen? Amen? Now, you didn't say that because I was going to drop dead today, right? No. We are, as a child of God, when we draw that last breath, the next breath is in glory. And that's what it's all about. Somebody's written a song, and I've heard it sung many times at memorial services, uh, about that next breath being in glory. I can't even remember the title of the song. But the idea is, I'm going to see Jesus face to face. And this journey is just preparing me for that day. All right, so laying aside, being involved in the race, enduring till the end, and understanding this, the race that is set before me. We need to understand, we need to recognize this fact. Whatever path you're on, whatever race you're involved in, if you are a child of God, it is the race that God has prepared for you. You understand that? The path I'm on is not the same path that Ralph is going to run. And the path that he's running is not the same one that I'm going to run. Because God's got a different path for each and every one of us. Whatever challenges come along the way, whatever opportunities are there, that is what God has prepared for you. God is asking us to be faithful, to endure, to persevere to the end. Regardless of what's on that path. Don't you just love Michigan in the springtime? Have you seen those potholes? Oh, my goodness. I, I love getting on Facebook, and I see the pictures people post of the car, that the nose of the car is down in the hole. You know, I love it. I love it. That's Michigan. Or, or the, the picture of, of, of just a couple pieces of pavement up in the air, and everything else is a hole, and the bumpers on the car are sitting on the two raised parts of the, of the roadway. These are the things... You know, that are part of the path that God has for me. I know there are speed bumps. I know there are potholes. But here's the thing. I know who is holding my hand and walking and running with me through that course, down that path. And just like the, the, the poem, foot, foot, was it footprints or footsteps? Footprints in the sand. There are those times when he's the one who picked me up and carried me through. So verse number one is just simply this, this acknowledgement of the fact that as I look forward, here are the things that, that are going to be a part of that. Yes, I need to lay aside the weight. I need to lay aside the sin and understand that I'm engaged in this race. I'm engaged in this walk with Christ. And I'm on the path that God has for me. Ordained of God, enabled by God, with the end in sight. The end is in sight. Oh, I don't know about you, but I get, I get, I start getting Baptocostal at times. And I just love the Word of God and what He has to share with us. In verse number two, He gives us the ultimate example. The ultimate example. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You know, one of the things I was taught in track is never look back. Never look back. Even in the relay race. The only time you're to look back, if you happen to be the number two, three, or four man, is, is looking to see where the runner is and when to take off. 
The whole idea is you don't want to look back. It takes too much energy to look back. And it, it creates an environment in which you may stumble and fall. That's why verse 2 says, looking unto Jesus, I have a goal. I have an objective. Why is it that we're able to persevere through those, those traumatic experiences in life? Why is it that we're able to persevere through those, those kinds of things that are just unpleasant in life? You know, one of the most unpleasant things for me is going to the dentist. I don't like going to the dentist. You know what? The, the worst part of being at the dentist office is sitting in the waiting room and hearing that wee, that annoying whine. Now, please, if you happen to be a dental assistant or hygienist or you happen to be a dentist, thank God for you. It's a calling because you have to deal with people like me. And I love it. You know, it's it's an incredibly painless thing anymore. I mean, you are laying there in the chair. and And he's talking to you back here. And the first thing you have happen is that that hygienist, she comes at you with that that um, um, that big uh, um, um, Q-tip with the jelly on the end. And she shoves it in there. And then she moves it around a little bit. And then she leaves it and starts talking to you some more. And then the dentist comes in and he sits down and says, Oh, how you doing today? It's been a, it's a glorious day. Look at the birds and the bird feeders and all the sun. He's carrying on conversation. And then that Q-tip disappears. And you know what happens next. We're not supposed to fear, right? Why do they sit behind you and come over the top with the needle? I want to know what's coming. So you understand my fear. Marines fear nothing. Except needles. So here's the picture. Looking unto Jesus. Why? Because he's the author and finisher of our faith. He is the originator. He's the one who sought me out. He's the one who paid the price for me. He's the one who went to the cross. He's the one who died. He's the one who said it is finished. And he's the one who rose from the grave. (laughs) Do you know it's not finished yet? I mean, that part of the work is finished, yes. But you see, Jesus ascended into glory. And then the angels appeared to the disciples and told them, Just as you have seen him leave, so shall he return. You see, Jesus is coming again. He's coming back. And when he does, that trumpet's going to sound, and the dead in Christ are going to rise, and those of us who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet him in the clouds. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. Oh, oh, oh. You see, I can't. How can we dig into the Word of God and not get passionate about what we're reading? Tremendous. 
looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher. He is the completer of my faith. He's the one that, that puts all the ingredients therein. He's the one that brings all those experiences into my life. He's the one who sustains through those experiences. He's the one that brings to completion. And I'm reminded of the fact that Paul told the Philippian believers, he who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to what? Complete it. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Praise God. Now, some of you got a little bit further to go yet. But the fact is, he's still working on us. And he's still working on me. Thank God for that. The author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him. Endured the cross. Despising the shame. And is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. (laughs) Endured the cross. Let's talk about that for just a second. The cross was the most shameful way of execution. Disgraceful. And that was the death that he endured. I have an article in my file written by a physician that describes the physiology of what a crucified individual would go through. And if you have the stomach for it, you read that article. What he endured that day. Please understand, it wasn't just the cross. It was the beatings before that led to the cross. He was already in a weakened condition and then was nailed to that cross. That's what Jesus did for me. That's what he did for you. That's what the writer here is reminding us of. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Now there are two things that we can look at here in terms of the joy that was set before him. The first is of all that God, Jesus, was and is. What he left to come To be born that day with the objective of the cross. There was that joy. But I dare say that even in the midst of, and if you go to John chapter 17, you read Jesus' prayer that day as he was anticipating the cross. You cannot help but understand what this means. Who for the joy that was set before him You see, there is this cross thing. There is this sacrifice that needs to be made. It must be made. And Jesus was the only one who could pay that price. But he knew. He knew what would happen three days later. 
He knew of the joy that would be the result of that. Of the redemption that would be provided for his people. What a joy. Of those at that time, of those down through the centuries since, and of the joy when I trusted Christ. Forgive me, but I'm trying to remember uh, the Springer girl's name. I shared with you last week that she had trusted the Lord as her Savior that week. Remember? Acadia, thank you. Acadia. And I I looked her in the face. Maybe I shared this with you last week. I looked her in the face and I, I, I said, Acadia, did you know the angels in heaven rejoiced when you got saved, when you trusted Jesus as your Savior? She says, no. I said, yeah. The angels are rejoicing. And and, and I I did my fly thing. And and I said, you know, their wings were just a flapping away. And then they just, if they had wings. And and, and they just, they, they were rejoicing. They were singing because you accepted Christ. And she just beamed. You could see the joy in her face. who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Again, the most disgraceful, shameful death of its day. The ridicule, all of the the mocking that took place of the the, the Roman who stood there and and, and told him to, to, if you are the king... Come down off that cross. Little did he know. Little did he know. I mean, today I look back at it and I see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in my mind and in the scriptures hanging on that tree. And yes, Indeed, just as the song says, he could have called 10,000 angels. The legions of glory, he could have called. Wow. Talk about a bugle charge. Man, that's who my God is. But he died alone for me. And then it comes to the end here in verse number two. He endured the cross, despising the shame. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Praise God. Amen. That's where my Jesus is today. He has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He's making intercession for me. He's calling me by name. And when the devil points his bony little finger at me and he says, look at him. He says, he's one of mine. I don't need to be encumbered by the weight. I don't need to be ensnared by the sin. I need to be involved in the race. 
Why? Because there's ministry, there's work to be done today. There's a song that I thought would be very appropriate to bring this message to a close. It talks about looking forward. Israel, over its course of its history, was looking backward. They were looking back. We often look back at the way it was and wish for the old days. Are you one of those? I remember the old days. I remember how it used to be. I remember how it was much simpler then. Now, let's understand something today. The challenges have always been there. The traumas have always been there. We don't have, or we didn't have the tools we have today. I understand that. But we have many other things that we had to do that were part of our day. So it wasn't that much of a simpler day. For we were occupied most of the time. But one of the things that has been true throughout the ages is that we've been looking forward. For those who are still working, you're looking forward to retirement. You hope that day's going to come. Well, they asked me that in Sunday school this morning. And I, my comment to them was, retirement, I'm busier now than I was before. So retirement is not all that it's cracked up to be. But the fact is, there's joy on either side of retirement. And I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to what God has in store today and what God has in store for us tomorrow. As God's people, we are instructed to look forward. We're instructed to pay attention to what is to, what is to come. I'm looking forward, as I started this message this morning, I'm looking forward to what God is going to do in your midst in the days, the weeks, the months, and the years that are ahead, should he tarry. For Pastor Andy and his family and his ministry with you. I was sharing with a couple of guys at the back of the auditorium this morning just before the service. It's a wonderful thing. In fact, Jim, I think, brought it up. It's a wonderful thing to see how God takes people. And I'm talking about Pastor Andy now. And plants them in the congregation and picks up right where you are and takes you forward in ministry for Christ. Learn from the past, but don't dwell in the past. Look forward. And there's a reason for that. And there's a song that is so appropriate. I hope you'll enjoy as we listen. I think the words will be on the overhead. The King is coming.
traffic in the streets. All the builders' tools are silent. No more time to harvest wheat. Busy housewives cease their labors in the courtrooms. No debate. Work on earth has been suspended as the king comes through the gate. The king is coming. The king is coming. I just heard the trumpet sounding, and now the face I see.
looking forward to that day? Amen. He is coming. Amen. Amen and amen. Father, thank you for the opportunity this morning to be in this place, to enjoy the worship, to learn from your word, to be challenged, to be encouraged, to have our spirits lifted, and to be reminded that indeed the King of kings and the Lord of lords is coming to take us home. Until that day comes, Father, we ask you to keep us faithful and find us faithful in the work you've called us to do. Dismiss us with your blessing. Go before us as we seek to honor and glorify you in all that we say and do. And we ask this this morning in the glorious name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, because he lives and all of God's people said, Amen. You are dismissed.